You know, I've been feeling as we've been worshiping that many of you are in this place where Jesus <laughs> needs to come and save you. Needs to come and save you. It's like this video I saw the other day on Facebook and there was this, this lamb stuck in a crevice and this little boy goes and grabs him by the feet and pulls that, that sheep out and that lamb and sets it on the, on the side and of course he goes bounding off joyfully jumps in the air and boom right back into the same crevice and he's stuck all over again and that represents so much our lives until we begin to turn a corner there's a corner that God is calling the overcoming church to turn where you don't need saving again and again and again but you begin to walk in a certain kind of victory because you realize that there's resurrection power inside of you. Come on. You begin to realize there is resurrection power inside of you. From the beginning of this service, I keep seeing this picture. Keep going, guys. Keep going. I keep seeing this picture of of uh, this this cable that's just teeming with power just thousands and tens of thousands of volts going through this electrical current and this dog comes and clamps down and bites on that cable and gets the shock of his life Listen, there's a day coming if it's not already right in front of you if you're not already experiencing it Where when the enemy comes up against you one way, he'll flee seven ways because he'll try to bite down on the current of the Holy Ghost inside of you, on the current of resurrection power. Oh God, God bring us into the knowledge of resurrection power. Inheritance have all the saints Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ resident in you. As a child of God, this is legal inheritance for you. We're going to transition from this moment here. Pastor Mark's coming with a word here right away. Bless you, team. We release you. Pastor Mark. Hallelujah. Father, thank you, God, for this wonderful day. You'll notice we're getting this little thing set up here. I have a little bit of an illustration today that I want to share with this word, but let me first begin by praying. I want to pray right now that the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of God would come down on you right now, right now, right now, wherever you are. Father, I pray the heavens would open. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name, clarity, life, power. Lord, let, connect the dots, I pray. Father, today, let this be, be a day of the connecting of the dots where suddenly, Lord, things we have heard, scriptures that have been shared with us throughout our Christian life will suddenly begin to move with new meaning, that begin to shine with a new light 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I've, uh, I've got a title for this, and if you don't mind, King James, it's, it goes like this. Holiness becometh thy house. <laughs> what was that? Uh, that? That judgment cometh, right? That was, a, that was a line in that Shawshank Redemption movie. Well, holiness becometh thy house. Holiness becometh thy house. What does that mean? That basically means this, is that holiness makes beautiful the house of God. Holiness adorns things. When there's holiness on something, it suddenly makes that thing more enduring than it ever could be on its own. Holiness becomes the house of God. There's a a word right now for anybody looking for a husband or wife. Come on. That's a word for anybody who thinks they're competing against all the other pretty girls, all the other good-looking guys, because God is saying, listen, there is an invincible power. There's an invincible overcoming favor that comes when the presence of God, when the holiness of God is draped over you. When you are overlaid with the glory of God, suddenly that which is normal, that which is plain, suddenly becomes a traffic, attractive. It suddenly begins to shimmer with a new kind of beauty. I saw that this morning. I saw one of our dancers. You know, and it's so beautiful when this happens. I saw it a number of years ago, but I, got, I saw it this morning where one of our dancers began to dance. And all of a sudden, what they were doing was not the sum of their movements. It was actually releasing a commodity. See, that's what, that's what this faith thing is about. It's, about. it's not about what we do. It's about what, we, what, what we're doing releases. When you tap into, by faith, elements of the kingdom of God, it begins to release the nuances, the commodities of the kingdom of God. And those begin to adorn your life. They begin to adorn your words. They are overlaid upon your face, upon your movement of your hands, upon the things that you say, that you write, that you do. And then you begin to have favor because not because you're doing it so well, but because you're accessing something of the kingdom of God. And suddenly the thing you're doing intermingles with that, that overcoming beautiful substance that comes from God. Holiness becometh thy house. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about this dynamic, this dilemma that we have between two kingdoms where we are born into one kingdom. We are born into darkness. We are born into sin. We are born into self-sufficiency. We are born into effort and striving and toil. And that brings you a certain return. But God is saying, listen, come to me. Come on, all you who are tired. If you're tired of that game, if you're tired of running in your own strength, being in the wheelhouse of your gifts, come unto me because I'm going to deliver you from the toil. You know what? There's some people who say, like, you know, actually, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm actually winning here. I'm dominating I'm, I'm on top of things because I'm good looking and I'm strong and I have willpower and I have ambition and I have good looks and I have talents and I have uh, abilities and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm a genius or whatever it is. So the people, right, that think that, hey, this is good. 
Don't fix what ain't broken. Well, it's broken. You just don't know it is because what you're doing is coming to an end. But God is saying to those, because most of us are not in that category where we're on top and rising all the time. Most of us are in the category where we're just tired. And if you're not tired right now, maybe you're succeeding. You know, there's, there's moments when even though you're succeeding, all of a sudden God realized you, he shows you the cost of your success. And all of a sudden you realize, I don't want to pay that. <laughs> I don't want to pay that. That is, just, that is just too much, too much of a price. I'm exhausted. I didn't even know I was exhausted until God all of a sudden gave me the report card. You are on the, your last straw. You are, your back is about to break and you don't even know it. Wow, I pray right now, if that's you, that you'll have the grace to shift over, that your heart will shift over to the kingdom of God. There are two resources. One comes from the kingdom of darkness. One is rooted in flesh. One is rooted in human pride and ambition and abilities. The other one is rooted in an, in an unalterable power, an overcoming power, an endless stream of life that comes from God and from God alone. And so there's two kingdoms, and we draw from the one or we draw from the other. We can draw partially from one and partially from the other. And that's why God is telling us, listen, shift over, shift over here. But these two kingdoms are represented in the scriptures, and I I, I was struck by these words this morning. I was struck by uh, the the fact that there are two mysteries. Did you know there's two mysteries? Say two. Two. All right, good. Got some Americans in here. (laughs) Canadians usually resent that. Don't tell me what to do. (laughs) Anyway, there are are two kingdoms, but there's two mysteries. There's a mystery of godliness, and there's a mystery of iniquity or lawlessness. Did you know that? Two mysteries. And and it's, it's the way of saying, listen, there are secrets that belong to two kingdoms. There are dynamics. There are unlocking um. There's unlocking wisdom codes that have to do with with um, releasing the power of one kingdom or the other kingdom. And the one is the kingdom of lawlessness and the other is the kingdom of light. And God is saying to you, listen, there's a mystery of godliness that's already at work inside of you. It's already at work in the earth. And I'll tell you what it's going to finish with. The mystery of lawlessness is going to be consumed. In fact, if you go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, you're going to see that the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, when he comes and appears on the earth, he says that God is going to consume him with the flame of his mouth. Hallelujah. That's the end of this thing. That's the end of this kingdom. So you want to get out of here as soon as you can, right? It's like you wish you would have got out of Bitcoin a week ago. (laughs) All right? I mean, if only we knew which things are going down, which things are going back. And when it comes to market forces and the price of wheat and ore and gold and stuff, you know, you may not be able to predict that. But I'm telling you one thing for sure. Don't invest in this kingdom because it's coming to an end. And of course, we're out there and we're thinking, oh yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I go to church, I pray in tongues, I lift my hands. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But 1 Timothy 3.16 says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Woo! Great is the mystery of godliness. Listen, without controversy. I mean, there's, he's saying, like, there's no doubt. 
There's no question about this. Unquestionably, great is the mystery of godliness. What that means, great, is, is that it cannot be overcome with anything else. There's nothing that is superior to this. So let the superiority of the mystery of godliness consume us and cause our hearts to turn. 2 Thessalonians 2, seven says, For the mystery of lawlessness, King James says, The mystery of iniquity. The mystery of iniquity or the mystery of lawlessness has to do with the, the nature of the kingdom of gar- darkness. The kingdom of darkness is rooted in the power, and that power is the power of lawlessness. Now, why are these things important? Because these mysteries each represent a kingdom we aspire to. Despite all surface appearances, our true devotion. Now listen to me, Christians, Christians, listen, listen, listen. This is what God is trying to show you. If I could summarize my whole Christian life, it's this. I thought I was one thing and I realized I was another. You know, in the dark, you can imagine yourself to be anything you want. I'm an elephant. I'm a woman. (laughs) Uh, I'm a giraffe. I'm an ant. I'm a building. I'm a bulldozer. I'm a plane. Right? In the dark, you can do any one of those things. But when the light comes on, all of a sudden, it's hard to hold on to the delusion. And so the fact is this, is that our journey in Christ, if you're a Christian, is you think you believe on a certain level. You think you're participating in the kingdom on a, on a full-scale level. You think, well, no, I'm all in. My heart is full. I'll tell you what, God is looking around the earth for those whose hearts are full. You know what? There's not that many. Can, can you, do you hear me? There's not that many that are full-hearted towards the Lord. So what are we then? Well, what are we when we're Christians and we're trying to believe? We are half-hearted. I don't want to talk about that today. Because I got better fish to fry. But you can go to James, you can look at it. It's the dilemma of the church. It's the dilemma of, of the process of discipleship where God is trying to get your heart fully leaning on him. That's, that's the journey. But this, this is the reality here. That despite all of our surface appearances, despite our church attendance, despite what we say we believe, despite what we tell others is our dependency and our strength, That the truth of our dependency and our strength is not decided by the outward appearance, but the heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your actual condition is determined by who you are on a heart level. And so, and so if you are, if you are, you say, well, I don't believe in the enemy anymore. I don't believe in his works. But all of a sudden, somebody says, hey, you better get your vaccination or you might die. And you're suddenly immobilized by fear and you can't go out and you can't do anything. What does that mean? Well, you can say, I depend on God and I'm, I'm satisfied with what he has supplied. I believe that it's overcoming. But as soon as you begin to fear, as soon as you begin to doubt, as soon as you begin to feel shame, as soon as you begin to feel all of the emotions attributable to the kingdom of darkness, then it would, what it means is that, is that the tributaries of your heart are not entirely cut off from the kingdom of darkness. Oh. Ah. Uh. So that's the journey. Despite all surface appearances, our true devotion is demonstrated by the disposition of our heart. 
And so God is coming to you. God is coming to us. That's what Hebrews 4.12 is about, that God is a revealer of the thoughts and the intents of his heart, of your heart. The word of God, the preaching, the word that I'm bringing you right now is a revelation, a light that will come to illuminate to say, listen, you are not disapproved, but let me tell you this, you are not as faithful, as faith-filled, as dependent on God as you think you, you are, or as much as you'd like to be. And the And the changing of the guard, so to speak, begins when you begin to accept that, when you realize that, when you embrace that truth. God, change my heart. The mystery of the kingdom that we are leaning on is reflected in the direction of our confidence, in the direction of our faith. Wow. Now, I'm going to get to these jars in a second. Well, one's a cup. One's a wine glass. The other one's like, you know, one of those... Juice containers you might get at a full gospel businessman's breakfast. <laughs> the other one's a plastic little thimble. You know, maybe something for communion. I don't know why it was there. I just grabbed it. The other one's a porcelain cup made of clay. But this is what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3.3. He says, for we are the circumcision of God. The circumcision who worship God in spirit rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now, I challenge you to say that with all your heart and mean it. Again, we apprehend everything in degrees. We have, you know, we, we are growing into faith. We are going the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn shines brighter and brighter to the full day. You know, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that as we behold him, we are changed when we see him, right? When we see him, we're changed. We go from glory to glory. Now, thankfully, it's from glory to glory. Not just from darkness to glory, but from glory to another glory. In other words, there are, there are, there are levels of the glory of God that we get to participate in. Now, he dwells in unapproachable light. And I want to say, hey, that's my goal. I want to participate fully in the unapproachable light that will cause the enemy to not even want to come my direction. Because when he bites down on me, he'll bite down on resurrection power. Hallelujah. So this Friday morning we were having a meeting. And as, as we were in that meeting, somebody was uh, sharing something. They were sharing, and it really reflected what I was feeling that morning. I was feeling that there was this disconnect between what we think we believe and what we actually believe, and it was reflected in this. And this is what this young man was saying. He was saying, you know, there's a reason I don't do things that I'm not good at. There's a reason why I don't do things that will not cause me to shine, right? Because uh, I like to look good. I like to succeed. I like to do well. And he was talking about something as mundane as dancing. You know, when I worship, you know, he said, I don't, I don't go and dance because if I dance, immediately it would become apparent that I can't dance. And, and that, that dilemma sort of frames a part of the human condition. The human condition is we are always living under the threat of some kind of banishment, of some kind of rejection, of some kind of downgrading process that is always connected with shame. 
And if you want to know what God is trying to deliver us from, it's from that. It's from the sense that you, you will rise based on what you do well. And you will fall based on what you do not do well. That's what the law is. The law is, is, a, is a measurement that if you, according to that measurement, get above it, then you're, things are well. If you get below it, then you, you're dead. And God is saying, listen, 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 listen. I want to deliver you from that system. But how prevalent is that system? How, how subject are we to that impulse, even though we're Christians, even though we're people of faith, even though we, we have places reserved for us in heaven, even though we're authentically, genuinely saved, and we are going to be, when we die, with him in eternity. I mean, that's a reality. But the question is, how much of that resurrection power is filtering through my life? How much of that glory of God is, is overflowing in my words, in my actions, and when I do things? Now, I, I, I started to say this. Maybe I'll get back to it in a minute. But uh, I've noticed on a number of occasions, like what I said, saw with our, one of our dancers this morning, that they're dancing. And it wasn't, it was beautiful, but it wasn't the technique that was beautiful. It was, it was an overlay of God's glory on, on the dance. That was, that was wonderful. I remember the first time I, I really recognized that. And I thought, hey, there's something powerful about this. I was at an, uh, an event in... Uh, Prince Edward Island. There was about 2,500 of us there. And I remember sitting at the back. We had our five young kids at the time. And it was, there was an absolutely spectacular atmosphere in this room. It was just stunning and filled with the presence of God. And people were worshiping and giving themselves to the Lord in abandonment. And, of course, you have all the different skill levels of, in terms of motion. Now, motion is not everything, but it's one thing. Right. And and you know, we tend to do what we do well. So, you know, we tend to pride ourselves on what we do. Look, you know, my little grandson jumps from one log to another. Look, Grandpa, look what I can do. That's a big jump there, boy. Well done. But anyway, that's the human condition. We tend to pride ourselves in what we do well. But I was watching these dancers. Of course, there's the, there's the dancers that are part of the worship team and they're skilled. They're they're beautiful. When you know, when they do this. They do it with the perfect grace and technique and movement. And, you know, it's just, it's marvelous to look at. But then there's others of us. There's others of us that, you know, have awkward, gaudy kind of movements. You know, it's like, ugh. Anyway, there was a guy there, just a run-of-the-mill guy. And he was, I'm not saying his technique was really bad, but it was non-existent. <laughs> and so, but what, here's what he did. He was worshiping. In spirit and truth. He was worshiping. He was in. And I, and, and, and I can't tell you what the difference is except that beauty began to exude from him. <laughs> beauty began to exude from him. Not because his technique was all that great, but because he was connecting with the beauty. He was connecting with the holiness of God. He was connecting with the glory of God. And the glory of God makes beautiful anything that it overlays, anything that it exudes from, anything that it comes through. Suddenly that thing becomes a priceless, beautiful object worthy of admiration. And he was standing there and he was doing a shoulder shrug. I, I looked at him for 10 minutes or 15 minutes straight doing a shoulder. And then he did the other shoulder. And it, it's so silly. You know, like, how good could you do that? 
such that people would watch you for 10 minutes. Never good enough to occupy my attention, I'm telling you. Because he didn't have what you would call a beautiful body. He wasn't a young, attractive person. He was a middle-aged man with a beard, with broad, brawny shoulders, and an unattractive shirt. But when he moved in sync with the presence of God, ripples of life were coming off of him. (laughs) Ripples of life that were so attractive. It just, I, I could almost see it, though I couldn't see it. I'm not a seer. I don't see things in the open. But this is what happens when you tap into God's presence, when you tap into God's river. And it doesn't matter whether you're dancing or standing at a bus stop or speaking or writing words or, or walking down the street or talking to your dog. There is an X factor, a supernatural overlay to those things that causes it to be head and shoulders above everything else. And that's the world we're after. So there's two worlds. There's this world here where, you know what, I'm not going to dance unless I can do it in a way that captures people's attention. Unless people will ooh and ah. Unless I could be, you know, considered good. And until I'm considered good, I'm never going to do that in public. I'm going to do it in the privacy of my bedroom. I'm going to do it, you know, when nobody's listening. And that's the world we live in, where shame and reward are hinging upon skill, perfection levels. Does that make sense? You've seen that world, have you? Well, God is saying, I want to deliver you from that world. And again, I go back. The Pharisees were the ones who excelled in everything. And they're saying, you will not tear down this world. When Jesus came and said, this thing's coming into an end because you don't even know what it really is, but it's full of dead men's bones. It's full of death and destruction. It's putrid. And if you think God judged those guys over there because they were evil, get ready because God is going to judge this system. Because underneath the persona, underneath the veneer of your seeming higher level accomplishing skills is gross darkness. And I'm bringing it to an end because it's, it's, it comes from pure darkness. But here's the good news. I'm going to give you a whole other system. Now, the people who are failing in this system think, all right, sign me up. Where do, I, where do I get that? Where do I get me some of that? I'm, I'm dismal here. I'm, at the bottom, I'm on the bottom rung here. I'm failing in every way. I'm in this superiorly moral society, and I just can't cut it. I can't pull my socks up. You know, give me all the motivation speeches you can. I still can't do it. That's the people that, are, that ran to Jesus. That's, those are the people that ran to him because they're saying, yeah, I don't, I am, I'm already given up on this system. Uh, subcultures all across Canada today, in your town, in your city, they've given up on the mainstream. They've given up on trying to be, to fit in, to be that thing. And they think, well, we'll just create an alternate system where our values are based on the same kind of performance uh, paradigm, but we'll change the values so that we have a fighting chance. And so you get 
subcultures based on a different set of values, but it's still the same old system where what you can do and can't do is giving you shame or pride. Let me invite you, if you're not already there, to a kingdom where glory can be overlaid upon your weakness, upon your imperfection, upon your inabilities to do something else. And suddenly out of the simplicity of devotion to Jesus Christ, a substance will begin to flow into the realm of your life. It'll begin to seep through the pores of your brokenness and will begin to heal and mend and release a glory that suddenly... Anything you do can begin to become attractive. And people around you won't know why. Suddenly you become likable. (laughs) Wow. So I've got these five vessels here. And these five vessels, they represent different levels of accomplishment in this system. Where, you know, maybe maybe this wine glass represents the perfect shape. Right? Maybe that wine glass is the perfect shape. And, and of course, Mr. Cup doesn't match. And Mr. Bulbous Bottom doesn't match. And Mr. Big All Around doesn't match. And Tiny, Tiny Tim. Okay? You know, if this is the ideal, if this is, if they, if this is the world of perfection, these guys are trying to make themselves like this. Because in this world, this is the only thing that matches. But suddenly somebody says, well, you know what? I reject those values. Small is good. (laughs) No, ceramic is better. Especially if you've got a handle. (laughs) Glass, plain glass. It has lots of capacity. Paper cups says no, disposable helps the earth. (laughs) Now listen, Uh, these five glasses, each of these have unique distinguishing features which make them uh, valuable and attractive in one sense if you focus on the one feature that, that they have. And the world of be, the subcultures fight against one another and say, no, this one feature, okay, we may, may not be good looking, and maybe we can't dance, and maybe we can't sing, or, or do, do anything valuable. But we don't judge. So take that, you rotten people. <laughs> yeah, glad you got that. So the substance of it. The size of it, the shape of it, the utility of it. Each of these things can be measured in different ways. Each, each has some, some uh, criteria that, that one way might value. Durability, right? So one's made of, of uh, metal, one's made of pottery, one's made of glass, so one may, one's made of crystal. And the, people may, m- the mugs made of pottery say, yeah, but you're so delicate, you're easily broken, you might be beautiful. But what are you going to do in a fight? <laughs> and the last is, all of them are going to have defects of some kind. You start getting in the world. You start being used. You start you present. You, my utility is great, you know. But eventually, you get scratches. You get chips. You get cracks. And each one of those begin to diminish. Unless we build another another sector, another subculture where patina is everything. You see, see how we do that? That's, that's not 
That's not good things at work. That's self-justifying systems of righteousness, value systems that are based on their own intrinsic abilities that say to God, we don't need your value system, we got our own. Whatever which one you are caught up in, I'm telling you, it's coming to an end. It's coming to an end. But this is, this is what I heard on Friday morning. It was so clear. As we are goaded by shame and pride and people putting us down and comparisons and all kinds of things, saying, no, this is the ideal way to be. No, this is the ideal way to be. No, this is the ideal way to be. I suddenly saw this, that, that any, and this is the words I heard Anything overlaid in gold suddenly becomes beautiful. Anything overlaid in gold. You, you think about anything you have lying around the house, right? Anything unattractive. Anything with a, a scuff in it. You know, those, the worst shoes you have in your house. The ones you haven't worn since 1968, right? Your, your grandkids joke about you suddenly overlay those things with gold. Now you put them in the, you you put them in a cabinet, and you sh- they're now a showpiece. Hey, this is what I'm saying. Anything that we have that's overlaid with gold. See, there's two different systems. God God is saying this system here that's dying is you trying to create value in what you are presently, what you can do and competing against other systems or else transforming yourself so that you measure up, hopefully, in, the, in the, some coveted space. And God is saying, listen, come as you are. Come as you are. Come as you are. Because what I'm doing is I'm going to overlay you with gold, but from the inside out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to release a stream of gold inside of you that, that as, as it grows, it begins to take the place of everything else that you are. And it begins to replicate its overlays. If you overlay this cup in gold, it'll be the same shape. It'll have the same limitations in some way, but it's no longer that invaluable or unvaluable piece of disposable paper that it was before. Now suddenly it has a new standing, a new visual attractiveness. There's something about it that's, but it even might have that scratch. It even might have that little chip. And, and, and you know, that chip is not erased. It's just, it's surrounded, overlaid in gold. And anything overlaid in gold is attractive and beautiful. God is saying, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. I will give you rest because in this world, there's no rest. There's no, it's a continuous work. And the only time you rest is like I'm busy trying to compete and be the best thing I can. And I'm rising and falling based on the criteria of the system that I bought into it. And then when I need a rest, I go to my house and I close my windows. And then I be who I really am. I'm not interested in living in a world of make-believe. Holiness becometh thy house. Holiness makes beautiful. Holiness adorns anything in such a way that all of a sudden what was not worthy of 
being showcased, what was not worthy of a moment of admiration suddenly becomes that which catches the eye because it's, it's clothed in the glory of God. This is what it says in Psalm 95, 93.5. Your testimonies are very sure. Holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. The word beautify, or it can be translated beautify, becometh, King James, becomes your house. It means makes beautiful. It's the word nada, not, sorry, na'a in Hebrew. And it's used in two other verses. Now listen to these. Song of Solomon 1.10 says, Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with chains of gold. In other words, your cheeks are, your cheeks make beautiful. Isaiah 52.7 says, How beautiful are the mount, on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. How na'ah are the feet of those who bring good news. Why? Because those feet are participating in the administration of the glory of the kingdom of God. And they're attractive because they're releasing the commodity that is beautiful to the earth, that is beautiful to the heavens, that, that even the unsaved don't even realize it, but they, it says in Haggai, it says that the whole earth longs for Jesus. The whole earth, the nations long for Jesus. Even those locked in the system, they don't know it, but what they're competing for is something they can't get in this order. It's him. It's the beauty of him. The place of peace and rest where you have value without fighting for it. You have value without tearing down somebody else's system. You have value without destroying the main culture and elevating a subculture. You have value without any personal accomplishments other than the fact that you believe. I'll finish with this. This is the key point. We're using things to elevate our value. This is what the heart of man, since, since mankind became separated from God, We've lost the breath of God in our lungs. We've lost the, the endearing words of God that whisper in our ears to say, you are my son, you have value. You are loved, you have value. And the whole world doesn't realize it, but they are on a treadmill of performance because what they're really looking for is those soothing words of God that say, well done, you are mine. You are mine. You are mine. And on what basis? On what basis? Well, if I just do this a little better, if I just get this right, if I just perfect my particular dynamic, that uh, my subculture, he said, no, if you just believe and your heart turns away from your own ability to perform and begins to depend on me. You see, this is free. In other words, you don't have to work for it. You just have to believe that it's valuable. This is what Paul said. We are the circumcision of God who put no confidence in the flesh. And if you go to that verse, when you, when you go to that verse, you know what you're going to see afterwards? You're going to see a subculture called Judaism. And he's saying, listen, when I was in this other subculture, I did everything right. I prevailed. 
<laughs> I, I did all, all the things that were valued in this subculture. I did. And I thought because it was connected to the God of Israel, to the God of Abraham, this must be what God is asking for. But I realized those, that performance was no better than the performance of the hedonists, no better than the performance of the Romans, no better than the performance of any other fallen subgroup in the earth. And God said, come over here, Paul. Come over here and share in my beauty and let me overlay you with glory. Let me overlay you with golden mercy. And so he says, he's writing now from that standpoint, he says, so I've left it all and I consider it nothing. I consider it nothing because I get now all my value from his face. His warmth. And that's changing me from the inside out. It's overlaying me. And I still have defects. Said, but you know what? Even my defects are cute. Hallelujah. Father, I pray today. Lord, that confidence, confidence in the resurrection, confidence in the workmanship of God, confidence in the commodity that comes from God and God alone, Lord, would fill our beings, that we would turn right now away from the way that we got praise. What is the way you presently get praise? What makes you feel good? What makes you feel like you belong? What makes you feel not so worthless as last week? That thing, if it's not the favor of God, if it's not God smiling at you and his voice in your ear, then it's somehow a part of this system. And God is saying, let me deliver you entirely, O Christian, from this system. And you may not even be a Christian or you may be a Christian, but the tyranny of your life is that part of you is still anchored in this. I go into the church and I see the people who sing. I see the people who are beautiful. I see the people who are this or that or whatever it is. And I, I've determined I, if I can only learn to sing, if I could sing well, then I would have a place of value in this community. And God is saying, no, listen, you don't need only any of those things. God gives talents and abilities for his own purposes. But all you have to do is you have access. You may not have access to the pool of talent. You may may not have access to the best body, the best shape. You may not have the most brilliant mind, but you have access to the glory of the knowledge of God. And there's nothing stopping that, that, that commodity from increasing in your life, that unapproachable light that just gets greater and greater and greater. Because here's what's going to happen is if you give up on that other system and begin to dive and stop comparing yourself with others and step into the freedom of God and be filled to overflowing with the knowledge of God. Doesn't matter what you can and can't do. You will be beautiful because holiness becometh his house. That's the promise of God. And in that, there's rest, freedom from a whole system. Father, I pray, God, Revelation will fill us today. Come on, team. Let's, uh, let's go back into a song. Thank you, Lord. Now, this illustration, it doesn't speak. Illustrations don't speak to every nuance of the kingdom of heaven. They just speak to one point. I pray you got that one point today.
Lord, let your spirit intrude upon our hearts in a new way this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So after a word like this, one scripture came to mind that I think matters for all of us. It doesn't matter whether you're winning or losing in your journey right now. He who began a good work in us will complete it. He's doing it. And so I declare in Jesus' name, second chances, new beginnings, fresh starts, even if you messed it up, Get up again. The righteous man rises seven times, even though he fell before that. He who began a good work in you, he will complete it. And so may the grace of God overwhelm you wherever you at. Wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, let the grace of God roll in like wave after wave after wave. In the name of Jesus. His blessing and His favor upon you. Thanks for joining us this morning. Join us again on Wednesday night. In Jesus' name.